So there's now that we've had an opportunity to spend a little while in Israel. I don't remember if I told you this uh, little miser. I'm sure you've all had the opportunity to uh, line up at a bus and uh, have to push your way in. So there's this guy, you know, this whole pile up, and suddenly a whole pile up piles up in front of the pile up. They get up to the bus, and this one guy, the bus driver, starts pulling off, you know, closing the door and pulling away, and like he kind of forgot that somebody's leg is in the bus, but his body is outside. So he starts driving away, and the guy starts yelling at him, and he doesn't listen. Finally says, hey. Finally says, hey, you know the difference between you and the bus? So the challenge is something that any Israeli has to kind of uh, confront. So he says, what? says, the difference is, the bus can only be a bus, but you could be a mensch. So there's, <coughs> there's a Polak, a Polak, a, you'll forgive me, but no, you know, I don't know all of your ethnicities here, but um, there's a Polak, an American, a Russian, and an Israeli, and a guy goes over, he asks the Polak, says, excuse me, what is your opinion of the meat shortage? So the Polak says, what's meat? He turns to the American, says, excuse me, what's your opinion of the meat shortage? The American says, what's a shortage? He turns to the Russian, says, excuse me, what's your opinion of the meat shortage? He says, what's an opinion? He turns to the... Excuse me, what's your opinion of the meat shortage? He says, what's excuse me? The pshat is like this. Any of us who have had the experience of spending some time in this country, um, you probably think this shikha is going to be about Israelis. It's not. But it's... Rabbi Isai. We, more than any other place in the world probably, Israel... It's a kibbutz Goliath. It's a place where you find people from all kinds of different cultures, all kinds of different backgrounds, coming together, Jewish people. And unfortunately, in a sense, it's a very sad situation that we live in a time when <coughs> there's a lot of friction going on. And there's a lot of friction among the Jewish people. And it's very sad. Between the Haredim and the Datiim Lumim and the Chiloniim and Satmer and Lubavitch 
and bells and the Lithuanian yeshivas. And the truth is, and the Sephardim and the and the Sephardim and the Ashkenazim. The truth is <coughs> that this is a time when all jokes aside, perhaps there's a certain basic, very, very basic aspect of Yiddishkeit as a whole and of some observations, which I'm going to get to shortly, that I've seen about Nevei that may be very, very pertinent at this time. <clears throat> we just read in the Torah last week, we read about Kabbalah Satayra. You probably know, and if you don't, you should know, the Torah says that really as a prerequisite to Kabbalah Satayra, it says in the Torah, Vayichan Yisrael Negadahar. Vayichan they camped, but it doesn't say they camped. They said, Vayichan, in a singular, as one. And Chazal tell us, Ki ish echad, echad, that a condition for Kabbalah Satoru was achdus, was the unity of Klal Yisrael. As we go a step further, and this is another thing that's very important for all of us to know, because we're preparing for Purim, and I'm sure that you must know, and if not, you should know now, that the Avaidah of Purim is Kabbalah Satoru. And the Gemara tells us, very famous Gemara that says, they stood under the mountain and tells you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu held the mountain over them and basically forced them to accept the Torah, to which the Gemara asks, but then don't they have an excuse, to which the Gemara answers, Afal Pichain, Hadar Kiblua Bimechashverosh. And they nevertheless accepted it again in the time of Achashverosh, and they accepted it Meyava, as it says Kimu v'Kiblu, that they fulfilled and they accepted Kimu Achshav Mashakiblu Kvar, that they accepted now and fulfilled now what they had already accepted, and there too you find that it's written in the singular, and the condition of the Kabbalah Satoru of Purim was Achdus, was the unity. And that's why we have so many things that we do. Matanus Lev Yoinim. Mishloach Manos. That are Ma'achet Klau Yisrael. Because beforehand, they were Mefuzar and Mefarad Amim, which allowed Haman to be able to enact the Gzera against them. But then, with the Nase of Purim and the Tzara that brought to that Nase and the Tefillah that came and the unity and the not questioning, as we'll talk about in a little while, perhaps. That unity was an even greater unity, perhaps, than the unity of Kabbalah Satoru. <clears throat> what I'd like to spend the short time that we have now is to try and explain a little better and perhaps illustrate to you a little better what do we talk about? You know, like you go to an NCSY convention, or you, those of you who show up to the singing Shalashudas, you know, the concept of Achdos, you think of, it's, it's like one of these words that are so worn, and, you know, the idea is as long as you put your hand around each other's shoulders and sway back and forth, and a niggin, suddenly you feel like, you know, oh, I was Yosei Achdos. What is the concept, and what do we really mean when we talk about Achdos of Klal Yisrael? <clears throat> 
there's an interesting Gemara in Menachas. The Gemara in Menachas starts off, the Gemara tells that a Shiloh that was asked, Plimu asked Rabbi a Shiloh. says, a person who has two heads, and which one does he put fill in? And essentially, Rebbe laughed him off. Tysus over there, I mean, what kind of, what person has two heads? Tysus brings the mice. He says that even though it's true that there's no such thing as a person having two heads, but Tysus brings a mice from the Medrash. There's a mice in the Medrash that Ashmedai, Hotsi Mitachat Karka, Ashmedai was a shade, a demon. And there, there are various mices of Ashmedai between Ashmedai and Shlomo HaMelech, who was the Chacham Mikol Adam. Ashmedai brought out from the earth a being that had two heads. The fellow, he brought him before Shlomo HaMelech. Because the fellow got married, this guy with the two heads. And this is a Medrash relates. And he had children. Now the thing is, he had two kids. One of the kids that he had was like him, a two-headed kid. The second kid that he had was like his wife, who was a one-headed kid. So, whatever it is, they lived happily ever after, until the father died. Father, fathers, whatever it was. And then they had to go and divide up the Yerusha. So it tells how they went to Shlomo Melech and the guy with the two heads had a taina. He says, I should get two portions. Because I have two heads. And the other one said, no, you're one person, right? So therefore you shouldn't get that. He wanted to get over and above whatever we would have coming as one person. He wanted to get an extra portion. So on the side in the Shita, it brings the rest of the story. What did Shlomo Melech do? Very smart. Adam. He covered one of the heads of this one-headed, two-headed person and he took boiling water and poured it over the other head. The other head started screaming in pain from the boiling water. He said, it's Uriah, you're one person and you only get one chaylet. So I saw once in a drasha somebody explains, what does it mean? Atem Gemara Yavama says, Atem Kruyim Adam, Ve'ein Umos Ha'olam, or Oivdei Kechavim Kruyim Adam. That this is the Pshat. It's like the two heads. There's another Misa that's also very similar to this one. And it's a very telling story, if you'll excuse the expression. There's a story, you know, you probably have all heard about blood libels. Alilah's dam that have happened historically, like throughout our history. Does anybody know when the most recent blood libel took place? I mean, it's something we think of that took place like at least a century or more ago, right? 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 I mean, it's like this is like from the olden days, right? In fact, wrong. The most recent blood libel, at least that I know of, took place in 1911. There was a very famous case. There was a man by the name of Mendel Bayliss. <clears throat> it took place in Russia. Some kid was found killed, and they accused Mendel Bayliss 
of having shechted this kid to make matzahs on Pesach. This is in 1911. And this trial became world-renowned. I mean, it achieved publicity throughout the world. And part of the reason it achieved this kind of publicity is because, as we know, in issues such as this, it was not simply the case of a murder trial of one individual, but it became an issue of Judaism against Christianity. Can I play too? Maybe later. I'll take the winner, okay? The, it became an issue of Judaism against Christianity. And what happened was, as I say, it became a very, very famous and very well-known case. One of the lawyers defending Bayless, in preparing his case, he knew the kind of stuff that he's going to be accused and that he's going to be confronted with. So he was prepared. He went, I don't remember who it was, but he went to a Rebbe. A Hasidish Rebbe. I don't remember who it was. And he went to him and he asked him, they're going to ask me. And they may very well ask me. You say in your Talmud, Atem Kruyim Adam, the Ein of the Kachavim, or Umas Ha'olam Kruyim Adam, that you're called an Adam. According to our Torah, it says that we're considered human beings. But Goyim are not considered human beings. And when they're going to confront me with this, how am I going to answer them? Because it's going to open up their case, wide open, that here, if you consider Goyim to be animals, then, you know, you can shecht them at will. Not just that, but the truth is, the kasha is a good kasha. What does he mean? So the Rebbe told them like this, this is what you should tell them, if, you ask, if they ask. There are different terms for man in Hebrew. There's ish, there's gever. I don't remember all the terms. There's a term adam. Yes, we remember the gever. Okay, Yisrael? There's, there are terms. The interesting thing is, what's the plural of ish? Anashim. What's the plural of gever? Gvarim. What's the plural of adam? Adam. There's no plural form of the word Adam. What's the pshat? So the pshat's like this. The Jewish people are like one body. That means that with one body, when one part of that body hurts, the rest of the body hurts. With Jews, that's the case. With Goyim, is that the case? Think to yourselves for a minute that this Mendel Bayless, who worked in some kind of a, a, a kiln or something, he is a simple laborer. Because he, this one person, they knock on his door in the middle of the night and they call him in and, and, and imprison him. The whole Jewish world is in an uproar. If some Polak if some Russian, Gentile Russian, is called in one night and imprisoned, then will the Russian people 
Will the Christian people, will the Catholics, will the Muslims, will they suddenly go into an uproar? That's the pshat. Atem kruyim adam. You, the Jewish people, are one body. And Rabbi Sai, this is not only a case with the Mendel Bayless. If you look around and you pay attention to some of the things that are going on and that go on in the world today, they're mind-boggling. There's a fellow, I remember a few years ago, when I was in Baltimore, you probably remember from your shuls, wherever you may have been, there was a kid who came from Israel who needed some kind of surgery that could only be done in Pittsburgh that was extremely expensive. They had appeals in shuls all over the United States collecting money for this pitzaleh who had to have an operation. If you look in the Jewish publications lately, you may know that, I think it's about a month and a half ago, there's a fellow, a Yerushalmi, his name is Lippo Labin, have any of you seen any of the notices? If you look in the Jewish press, if you look in shuls, if you look in shuls throughout the United States and in Israel as well, there are notices that have been posted all over the world because one individual, a man by the name of Lippa Labin, apparently he was troubled and he was lost and they haven't located him. And because of that, people are worried about him and they're searching all over the Jewish people are searching all over the world looking for this one man who they're worried about. And the interesting thing is that, you know, you see it in young Israels. You see the signs. I think there was something published by the OU that had a picture. These things, you know, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, when there's sar, then we come together. And we come together in a way that I don't know of any other nationality in the world comes together. Yosef Begun. You're familiar with what's going on with him. One individual, a weak, frail man who had the strength to teach Hebrew in Russia and was imprisoned, right? It was in the news all over the United States last week that I forget which minister from the Soviet Union had announced because they started asking him about certain people who have been, you know, uh, what did they call them? Not that they weren't using the term refuseniks, whatever the term um, resistant, what? No, 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 that, whatever, resistors, I don't remember exactly. But anyhow, so he asked about Begun, he said he's been released. And, in fact, he hadn't been released yet, now he was released. But the amazing thing is that because of the Jews and because of the concern for a fellow Jew who could be sitting in a country that you can't even get into most of the time, because he has been most nefesh, Teach Hebrew. Right? This man has been spoken about 
and demonstrated about to the point when it's worldwide publicity is built around a single frail individual. Atem kruim adam. Only among us, among the Jewish people, can there be such a concept of unity that spans all of the differences. Anatoly Sharansky, whatever the discussion that's taken place regarding this individual, is he from, isn't he from, what's the story, what's going on with him and his wife, after all, you know, she showed, you know. The fact of the matter is, this one individual achieved the acclaim and the respect and the admiration of the entire Jewish world. Those of us who were there a year ago to greet him and to receive him, Atem Kruim Adam, this is something that particularly because we get so caught up in what we take for granted that we have to be reminded of sometimes. We have to remember that with all of our differences whether they're differences among ourselves or differences between us and our fellow Jews, we have to remember that we are ke'ish echad, belev echad. We have to note and we have to internalize and we have to be aware that we may have our little bickering among ourselves. But in the bottom line, we're yidden. We're all Yidin. We're all Jews. And we all look out for each other. And we all care for each other. We worry about each other. And we take care of each other. I had the privilege in the past week to be very, very moved on a couple of instances, a couple of occasions. One opportunity that I had was in Baltimore. As you guys know, we have about 25 Talmudim in Baltimore now. These guys are amazing. They go from different years already. They span over a variety of diaries. I think there are a few individual here, individuals here who have you know, been up on all of them. But what's amazing is, absolutely amazing, and it's known in their Israel. Now, Israel is a big place. To a certain degree, it's a little misunderstood. Now, Israel has its spectrum as well. And as much as it's without a doubt a very serious yeshiva, you'll find people who are much more into it, and you'll find people who are more into college to a certain degree than they perhaps should be and they're learning. There are people who have difficulty making the adjustment to Ner Yisrael. As liberal as it may be compared to certain other yeshivas. But what is known in Ner Yisrael, and it's an am amazing statement, 
is that the Neve guys in their Yisrael stand out. And the reason they stand out is because of the degree to which they really, genuinely look out for each other. When one guy, and there have been fellows who have had their difficulties making their adjustments. When a guy has difficulties with a room, when a guy has difficulties with chavrusas, settling in, it's known how the Neve guys come in and take care of each other. They lobby for each other, they may help make the adjustments for each other, they make chavrusas, the works, whatever a guy needs. And I happen to have observed, in the instance of one fellow in particular who was having some difficulties, and it was tremendously heart-rending to see the degree to which his fr- fellow Neve guys were really helping him make the adjustments. This is something, and you know, they asked me to tell you. There were a number of fellows asked me, please make a point. I remember, Rebbe, when you discussed this last year, and that you should make a point of telling the guys this year as well about the special qualities of the Nevei guys. That they know, whatever the differences have been between them, that there's an appreciation that grows over the months that they're here, and a certain unique respect for the individual, for his background, for his problems, and for his accomplishments, that is such a unifying factor that you don't see among anyone else. In their Yisrael, they know who the Neve guys are. I saw it even more, in a way, this Sunday. This Sunday, I had the zechus of being at David Carmeli's chasana. David Carmeli, for those of you who were not here last year, is a very special young man. He comes from a community in Queens. It's an Iranian community. It's the Meshadi community. It is a very parochial community. It's a community that has its ways there are people who are very successful financially in that community. They also have established very clear boundaries for what their kids can do and what their kids can't do. David came here at a very young age. Relatively young, I should say. He himself is an unusually sensitive individual. He steigt here tremendously. We came to Ben He went back. He's been sitting and learning by his mother in yeshiva ever since. It happens that there's a young woman whom he had come to know from his community who had gone to Ezra and who had also become a very serious young Bas Torah. The problem is that they both had some serious difficulties in their homes. Perhaps one a little more than the other. But a tremendous amount of resistance to this change that took place in their lives and their commitment to Yiddishkeit and to Torah. And they realized after having really consulted with Rabbanim, with Gedolim, they had to get married. Because the way that they could get 
be able to further their commitment in Yiddishkeit would necessitate, in a way, separating themselves to a degree from their homes. Obviously, there's more to that, to getting married than that, and they're unusually, both of them, and those of us who know both of them know that they're unusually mature individuals. The only problem is that not too long ago, as a matter of fact, um, there was no way that their parents would agree to anything like this. And there was a point when they were mamish ready to elope and come back to Israel. I was kind of on the spot when David asked me to be Masada Kedushin. Baruch Hashem, it worked out differently. Um, somehow, it took a great amount of real serious nefesh, patience, negotiation, and they were able to work it out that they, their parents agreed that they could have a wedding. The wedding took place this Sunday. It took place in the shul, their Sharei Tova, something like that, I think it's called. The crowd that was at that wedding, um, you could tell, was very distant from a yeshivish chasana. Which brings me to the Neve guys. There was a group, I don't know, maybe about 25 guys, who were at the chasana. It was one of the most lebedic chasanas I was ever at. But what amazed me more than anything else was the infectious simcha that generated from these guys. That Mamish infused the entire hall to the degree where you had an oilum of people who could probably, on a previous occasion, if you'd asked them, they could have sworn that they're never going to dance like this at this kind of a wedding. And they probably had, you could see by their faces, that they probably had one of the most enjoyable experiences of genuine simcha that many of them had ever had in their lives. 